0: Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 114 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Now today is slightly different, the tables have turned. I'm actually going to be a guest in this episode. Um, I recently appeared on the How of Business show with Henry Lopez and I shared things about myself that I've never shared publicly before. In fact, I've probably been on over 50 podcast shows but this was one of my favorite so much so that I decided to include it on my own show. Um, I get really raw. I talk about how I was hung up and beaten in school Um, and basically I described how it, it should have broken me but instead it actually built me. I also talk about how I get out of periods of depression and also about how I was at one point in my life collecting charity to feed my family. I also talk about my upcoming book, The Self-Help Addict and what it means to be a self-help addict and how I managed to break the self-help addiction cycle and also what I've learned from interviewing over 100 entrepreneurs and much, much more. Guys, enjoy the show. I'm really excited for you. And uh, without further ado, hit the music, baby. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help
1: you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Daniel Geffen. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very
0: much for having me, Henry. Very, very excited to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you on. It's an interesting guest, a little different than other guests as I've had, so I'm excited to chat with you and your insights. Uh, But let me tell you a bit about Daniel. Daniel is a father first. Uh, He's an entrepreneur, a mentor, a speaker, a writer, a podcaster, and he calls himself a professional brain picker. And we're gonna hopefully get set him to share some of those pickings. Uh, His mission is to continue to strive for greatness and share it with others. Daniel is a proud father of three children, and he considers them to be his greatest achievement and his most important role. Uh, He started and grew multiple companies from scratch, including Jet Answering Service, Jet Virtual Offices, and Jet Offices, and we'll chat a bit about those businesses. Daniel is also a business mentor, uh, helping businesses that are stuck, helping them get unstuck. He has always had a passion for public speaking and inspiring others to achieve what they can. Uh, He believes there's no better way to inspire than through engaging and entertaining stories, which he's great at doing, Uh, both uh, in this interview, I hope, and in his podcast, which I've listened to. Uh, Daniel picks the brains of successful entrepreneurs to find out how they got to where they are today as the host of the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts, so I'm excited to have him on the show. He's also got an upcoming book that we'll chat about briefly called The Self-Help Addict. Uh, Daniel lives in Israel with his family, and so Daniel today is going to share his experiences, his personal journey, and then we're going to get from him some of the insights he's gathered from his experiences, but also to from all of the many entrepreneurs that he's had an opportunity to interview on his show. So once again, Daniel Geffen, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I think I'm going to get my wife to listen to that intro because she's always asked me what the hell I'm doing. So, yeah, exactly. By the way, quick one. Uh, we had another child, so we've actually got four wow. children now. So yeah, thank four you very children. much. So we're up to four. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Uh, it's fantastic. I have, we just have one child. Uh, we had complications and couldn't have more than one, but uh, being a father is certainly, I agree with you is been my most important role. In the thing that I, find the most reward from.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: 100%. Uh, there's there's nothing like it, right? Uh, my mm-hmm. daughter, my only child, is off to college, so we're dealing with a whole empty nest thing, which has been quite a challenge. Wow.
0: wow. Well, I've yeah. still got a little bit to go. I mean, my oldest is nine, so hopefully he won't be flying out the nest. Uh, That's right. So, you know, <laughs> he'll stay It'll for a while. I
1: hope so. I hope so. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk a bit about your journey. I'll kind of skip around, but more or less go chronologically. You studied, and I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, uh, Talmudic law. Is that, that I pronounce that somewhat close?
0: That, that is, that is exactly. Yeah. Talmudic law. Correct. Yeah.
1: Only because I looked it up, but uh, tell us what that is. What is the study of Talmudic law and what were you uh, thinking you were going to do with that study?
0: Oh, goodness. I've never been asked this question. I've been on about 50 podcast shows. Um, Goodness gracious me. Um, Talmudic law is pretty much what we consider. I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm an Orthodox Jew. And it is the the oral law, essentially, that was passed down from, from God to Moses. Um, and then the rabbis passed it down from generation to generation. So that was just something that I studied, uh, pretty much my heritage and my foundation. And we could talk about the importance of, of having strong roots. Um, and in fact, I actually want to tie it into what we were just saying before about having children and how you very correctly said that, my most important, I guess, venture or achievement is having children. Um, it really comes down to, for me, is the big picture. A lot of people they get they get lost and stuck in the in the business and in the moment of what they're doing. And I find that whenever I get stuck, whenever I feel either either overwhelmed or disheartened, and everybody has their down days, I always look at what's the big picture here? Like, what am I here to do? Do you know what I'm saying? Like that That's what gets me through everything I've ever done is I'm always going back to the big picture. What is my why? And like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And like, hey, let me open up to you a second here, Henry. And for those listening, um, last night I was up till two in the morning, pacing my living room, right? My wife and kids were all sleeping soundly and at 12 o'clock at night i was just feeling uncomfortable i i couldn't put my finger on what it was i just felt uncomfortable and i felt i guess a little bit of depression creeping in and uh, you know i was just i was just just feeling like i couldn't go to sleep something was bothering me and i kept pacing the room and basically just talking it out and what it really came down to and it always comes down to this for me is getting back to what is my big picture what do i really want to do in life and that's that's a and b is my what am i grateful for what do i have right now in my life that i'm grateful for and it always comes down to my wife and children and then of course there's health and there's you know money in the bank and a roof over my head but it starts with I have a a beautiful loving wife and and healthy happy children and and that's really what it comes down to for me.
1: This perspective that you have Daniel I, I have to think was in part influenced in your childhood your your grandfather being a holocaust survivor the challenges you had in your relationship with your dad based on the yes. research I did did you always have this perspective of trying to look at the bigger picture or is it something that has evolved? maybe since you had children tell me a bit about the origins of that perspective it's a good question i i don't actually know when when i
0: started having that perspective but i was always curious like i remember as a child i was always questioning the status quo right to me the idea of getting up and having to go to work and having to be told when to take a lunch break and when to take a piss. And, you know, it just didn't appeal to me. Like, why does that have to be the case? just because everybody else is doing it or just because most people are doing it. Like why? That sounds like torture. Like to me, going to school and having to sit in a chair and having to listen to somebody talk about something I have absolutely no interest in the world didn't make sense to me. And I would always challenge the status quo. I would, I would, I would refuse to be a sheep. I will not be a sheep. I will not just do something because everybody's telling me that's what you've got to do, and it got me in a lot of trouble, Henry. It really did. I, I was, <laughs> I found myself sitting in the principal's office, you know, countless times, uh, detention and all sorts of punishments. In fact, the first school I went to, I actually got beaten. Um, one of my teachers hung me up on a, on a peg, a coat peg, and left me hanging there for about half an hour, kicking and screaming. Um, and I got made fun of in school, you know, because I was an easy target for the bullies because I would stick out my head. Right now, now people who, you know, you know, are quiet in school and they kind of keep themselves out of trouble. They, they try and stay out of, you know, harm's way. Like I couldn't be that kid because I would always just want to express myself. And you know, I was not going to just sit quietly because everybody told me to, that's what you've got to do. And you know,
1: when did that then become clear for you? Therefore, that you had to be your own boss. Um, I th- basically what
0: happened was essentially um, is I went I, I met I met my wife in Israel. Um, we then moved. I'm from London originally. We moved to California. That's where my wife is from. Um, I got a six figure salary job at the age of 23. Um, I had my first child, and then in 2008 we, I got laid off for obvious reasons and I tried various different sales positions and every single one of them, um, just fell through because nobody was buying anything in 2008. People were trying to survive. And so to cut a long story short, um, I ended up getting evicted and I went broke and I had no choice other than to call my dad and a you know, you know my my backstory, Henry, about you know my upbringing with my father. Um, and for those that that want to know more about that, they can obviously go and listen to to my my episode that I did uh, on my show, uh, which you can link up to it. I think it was episode one hundred and eight. Um, yeah, so danielgeffencom dot com um, forward slash one hundred and eight. And I called up my father, and uh, you know, it was really difficult for me to do this, but I basically said to him. Dad, I'm broke and I'm about to get divorced and I'm about to lose everything. Um, I need your help. And it was a really, really humbling moment in my life because, you know, up until that point. I was this high-flying achiever, right? I I was on a six-figure salary, uh, married to this beautiful girl from LA, had my first child, you know? And so to the world around me and to my parents and to my siblings and to the people who picked on me in school, I was like the maid. I was made, right? I did it, I've done it. I'm living in California, I'm a London boy grew up in a rainy, dreary, ugly place. And now I'm, you know, driving around in a brand new car and, and working on, you know, in in a, in a high rise building overlooking the Hollywood sign in sunny California, uh, going to Malibu beach on Sundays. And now all of a sudden I'm calling my dad with my tail between my legs, basically saying I'm, I'm a loser. I failed and it hurt. So Do you,
1: does that still feel, I mean, obviously you can still put yourself right there and feel it. Is that part of what fuels you now to avoid having to go through that again? And specifically, I I think what we, what happens to us when we hit those lows, for those of us who have, as I have myself, there's that embarrassment of failure and we got to separate that from you know, I failed at this, I'll I'll pick myself up and do something else. But that embarrassment, like you said, to your friends that you had finally said, whether to their face or not, look at me, I achieved to your father. Dealing with that, I got to think still sticks with you to some extent.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I've had, you know, many ups and downs, but see, you know, in a way that's part of life. That's part of, if you want to create your own life, and I know that sounds cheesy, but you know, if you want to essentially uh, go for the dreams that you that you aspire to, and you don't want to fit in a box, if you don't want to fit in a box, then then it that's gonna happen. It's just part and parcel of of like you know, yeah, you can sit in a cubicle and be safe. I mean, obviously, me and you and 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 those of you listening, we all know that. That's not really the case. You're never safe. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, on a salary or not, like, you know, you can get laid off just like I did. Um, but what I mean is, is that you're definitely more prone to ups and downs. You know, entrepreneurs' lifestyles are are prone to that. Um, and, you know, what, what really gets what got me through it and what gets me through it, because I'm constantly going through it, is this... Um, thick skin and persistence and not willing to give up attitude and positive self-talk and constantly reminding myself. And that's why I'll go back to what I said before, Henry, when I was pacing my living room last night till two in the morning, I was, I was reminding myself why I'm doing what I'm doing, because we all need to be reminded why we're doing it because otherwise you just hit a brick wall and you're like why am I doing this you wake up in the morning you're like why am I doing this yeah. you know
1: yeah. so, so that big picture focus the thick skin you develop over time would mm-hmm. you consider yourself a confident person now
0: you know it's funny to hear it when you just said it and I hear this all the time people say to me oh Daniel is such a confident It's 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 weird for me to hear it because I was never that confident guy I was the school bully. I was the guy that people made fun of. I was the guy that was picked on for being nerdy and goofy. And I had a mole on my face with hair growing out of it. And I was called spider face, you know, and I was the dumb guy that got held back a year because I, you know, because there wasn't room in the year above and I was misbehaving. And so people would call me dumb because I was held back. And so, you know, when you say, you know, Daniel, you know, are you, do you consider yourself confident? I mean, yes, I do now, but only because I've really worked hard on myself. I really pushed myself to, to, to the point where I, now I do consider myself confident.
1: There is this fire that, that burns in you from your experiences through childhood, as you've just shared some of with us. I had very similar situations in my life. It is what has fueled us to achieve what we've achieved. It's what fuels us to be a better father than our father was to us. The thing that I'm always curious about now as a father is we know that was our fuel to a big extent. We're creating a different environment for our kids. Where do you think their motivation and fuel will come from to achieve great things, however they might define it? So, um, you know, as a parent,
0: if you were to ask me what's the key to raising good children, you know what my answer would be? So I can make up stuff and I could pretend I know what the hell I'm talking about, but the real answer is I ain't got the foggiest clue. Nobody does. Like any parent that thinks that they've got the formula to raise good kids, they're just either naive or ignorant or just lying. You don't know how your kids are going to turn out. They're human beings. Like God gave us free will. And whether you believe in God or not, okay, biologically, we're wired to make our own decisions. And you have no idea what your kid's going to turn out like, but I can say one thing, one thing's for sure. Action speaks louder than words. When my kids see me doing certain things that To them is going to be more of a factor of how they're going to grow up to be adults than if I, you know, talk to them and tell them, you need to be like this, you need to be like that. I could scream at them or or talk to them and give them advice till I'm blue in the face, but if I'm contradicting myself through my actions, that is going to speak louder to them. If I say to them, you know, Alicia, Alicia's my oldest son. You can, you can be whatever you want to be. You can follow your dreams. You can, you know, and then I go and basically give up on something that I really wanted to do. Then I've just spoken much louder to him through my actions because he's going to say, well, he says that, but look what he's done. He gave up on his dream. But if he sees me following my dreams, if he sees me and he sees the passion, kids are very smart. They see through everything we do. They know everything that's going on yeah. and, and, you know, and, and that's it. And I'll tell you one other thing as well is I, I, I think language is very important as well. It's a language that you use. I'm not talking about curse words and, and things like that. I'm talking about things like when my son or my daughter says, um, I can't do that, daddy. To me, that is one of the most painful things to hear. I hate that. It makes me cringe because I don't believe you can't. I believe you don't want to. And I always turn around and I say to them, I say to my son, Gabriel, I said, Gabriel, I don't want to hear, I can't. If you don't want to do it, tell me I don't want to do it. But don't lie to me and don't lie to yourself and don't say I can't, because that's baloney. If you want something badly enough, you'll do it. I don't care what gets in the way. And if you don't want something, you won't do it. I have people going, I want to lose weight. I want to, I want to make a million dollars. And you know what my response is? No, you don't. No, you don't. You, you, you want to with a little W meaning that you kind of want to, you like, I want to lose weight, but I kind of like eating brownies and I kind of don't really want to wake up and go to the gym. And I don't really want to be uncomfortable. I don't really want to sweat. And I kind of just want to sit on the couch and eat potatoes. And I want to make a million dollars, but I kind of want to watch, you know, Star Wars and, you know, whatever soap operas that's on and kind of just want to binge watch YouTube videos. And like, if you really want something, you will damn well go and do it and get it and achieve it.
1: And And the problem is sacrifices and you make the sacrifices to, to actually get it. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 Desire is the one thing that holds people back from everything and anything.
1: I agree. So a lot of this, I have to believe goes into this book that's coming, the self-help addict. Why are you writing it and and who is it for? The self-help addict.
0: The reason why I'm writing it is because it's too painful to hold on to. It's it's. I mean, I've been impregnated with it for about eight years now, and it's like bursting to come out. And I'm in my ninth month, and if I don't give birth to it, uh, I'm gonna burst. So that's that's basically why I need to publish it. Uh, <laughs> I I am a self help addict. Now I'm I'm writing to me, to my younger self. I'm writing the book to me. Um, I was the junkie. I was the guy that would walk into Barnes and Nobles and I would try to look for the book that would change my life, quote unquote. And I would, you know, I would pile up, you know, 20 books and, and look at every single one of them and flick through the pages and look through the contents and look at the testimonials in the back and go, mm, ah mm, mm. and then finally I would find the one and it would kind of like just jump out at me and I would go, yes, this is the one, this is the one that's going to change my life. Right. And then I'd head over to the counter and I'd buy the book and I'd, I'd feel, I'd feel it in my hands and think, this is it, this is the one. And then I'd read the book and I take out my marker pen and I would basically marker every single other line, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's inspirational. Oh yeah. That's motivational. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And then you get to the last page and then there's this like, mm, mm, oh, mm, now I've got to go and actually do something. Um, well, you know, what? let me check out his website. Oh, yeah. Let me check out his website. Oh, he's got a cool blog. Let me read some of his blog posts. Oh, he's actually got a webinar. Oh, let me sign up for the webinar. Oh, great. Now I'm going to really change my life because I'm going to go to. Oh, he's actually got a live seminar that he's giving he's doing in Vegas. Let me go book a flight and go over there because that will change my life. I got to meet this person in in person and then I'll change my and over and over and over and then I'll get to the next book and I'll follow the next guru and then I'll just and all I'm doing is I am holding my foot on the gas pedal, but the handbrake is still on. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're I'm feeding this nowhere. addiction of I I need to get more and more and more. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And now that the internet, yeah, now
0: that the internet's around, it's even easier to become addicted sure. to all this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, and I think it also applies. We see that I'm sure you see it, Daniel, with people who are like you talked about, aspire to be their own boss and well if I just take the next training program or that next seminar Mm -hmm. if I read that next book and they always put off actually doing something so to that end what what got you to actually open your first business which I think was jet virtual right yeah jet virtual um so what brought you to that point where you finally said I'm just going to do this
0: pain I was so uncomfortable with working in my father's grocery store and serving milk and eggs to people, <laughs> that I wanted to shoot myself in the head. I, I would, I would literally, I would get up in the morning and I would rip myself out of bed, and I would, you know, get over there, and the whole day would be looking at the clock and then thinking, "Oh God, it's only twelve o'clock. What the hell? I, I come on. What's going on? You know." And it was like just trying to pass the day by, and it was so depressing. And my creativity, and for those of you listening, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, all that creativity in you, if you hold it in, if you suppress it, you're gonna be miserable. It's like, like imagine I take a, a chain and I wrap it around you and you can't move. Like how long could you last like that for if I take a ball uh, a heavy ball and 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 chain it to your foot like you know what I'm saying like it's uncomfortable and 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 everywhere you go and everything you do. You just, you feel suppressed. You feel like you're not able to express yourself. And it's torture. It really is. It's torture. It's like being in a, in a, in a, in a what's it called? A, uh, when they put you in jail and you've got to go into the, the room by yourself. Uh, what do isolation. they call that room? In isolation. I, I know isolation. Yeah, isolation. That's what it feels like. And it's really frustrating. And I remember after about a year of of working in my father's grocery store as a cashier, I went home to my wife and I said to my wife, I cried to her. I said, I can't do this anymore. I want to provide for the family. I want to put food on the table. But I'm dying inside. And she knew that because as a wife, you know, your wife always knows. Your, your wife can tell when you're happy and when you're not happy. And you could pretend everyone else could see that you're happy, but your wife knows the truth, right? So I couldn't hide she it often from her. knows
1: it before you know it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so she said to me, and, she, and, and, you know, she's amazing. She said, you know, Daniel, I'm 100% behind you. I'm, I'm 100% behind you. You do whatever you feel is the right thing to do. So financially,
1: so I, how did you do it? You're working at your dad's grocery store. Where did the money come from? Did you do it on the side initially? Just tell me about that transition.
0: The transition was actually an interesting transition. Um, I basically went to my father and I said to him, look, I really, I'm really, really appreciative. I'm so grateful that you've given me a job, but I really need to go and start my own business. Um, the only thing is, is that I'm going to need a little bit of help um, getting started. Is it possible that you can still pay me a little bit of money over the next two months while I try to build this business? Um, so that was, that was a runway that I had fortunately enough to be able to start. It wasn't enough because I actually didn't get profitable for at least the first, I think it was a year, even two years. Um, I wasn't profitable. And if I'm very honest with you, uh, Henry, um, I collected charity checks. I, I, went knocking on doors of people in my community who had money. And I basically sat down at their living room, their dining room table and I looked them in the eye and I said, I'm really uncomfortable to do this, but I have to do this for my family. I'm, you know, I've started a business. The business is, is slowly growing, but I'm struggling. And if there's any way you can help me out, I really appreciate it. Yeah that and that so, takes
1: uh, that that <laughs> takes a toll on our pride certainly. What yeah. there has to have been obviously enough of a drive to make you keep at it. Did you reach or were you reaching a point where you thought, okay, this is not going to work? Let me uh, kill it and go back to a job. Did you reach that point or were you reaching that point? I did. I get. I. I. Well. <sighs>
0: I got to a point where I basically had a nervous breakdown, a mini nervous breakdown, and I almost gave everything up. Uh, And this was um, uh, actually—I'll never forget it. It was one day I I got a phone call. Um, At this point, I had an office. I had, you know, uh, staff members, receptionists, um, you know, and I had this one. um, I guess. I call the executive, or whatever you want to call her, the, he- the basically my operation manager. So she was in charge of everything from customer service to um, you know staffing, hiring, and firing all the things that I basically hate doing. Right? I figured out very quickly that I hate managing staff. I'm not good at it. I hate chasing payments from clients. I hate dealing with complaints from, I'm very impatient. I'm an impatient guy. Um, I'm highly creative. I'm really good at closing deals. I'm very good at building rapport with people. I'm good at, you know, coming up with new ideas and innovative ways to grow the business and build partnerships. But what I suck at is operations. I cannot, I I just don't have the patience for it. And so I hired this person who basically, you know, took over everything. And so she calls me up one day out of the blue and she says, hi, Daniel, I'm really sorry to do this, um, but I can't come into work. And I turned around and I said, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Will you will you be in next week? You know, do you need a week off? And she said, no, um, I almost committed suicide yesterday and I, I can't come back to work. I'm really, really, really sorry to do this to you and i'm just standing there, i'm just literally holding the phone in my 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 mouth is just dropped open i, I i'm like speechless uh so all i could say of course was oh my goodness i really ho- i really hope everything works out for you you know please you know keep in touch um i'm really i'm really sorry and and that was that um and now i'm left with a whole team of people and about 200 clients and a whole operation that I don't even know. I, f- I don't even remember how to manage it, you know, cause I've given it over to, to this person to, to manage. And I've, I let go, right. I let go of the, of the ropes, so to speak. Right. And then I get a phone call, believe it or not. It was like, it was like almost like, you know, when they say it rain, when it rains, it pours. Right. So here it, it started raining on me and then it started pouring. Um, the landlord of the of the office that I was renting calls me up and says, you know, Mr. Geffen, uh, we're really sorry, but I know it's short notice, but we're going to be actually uh, selling the premises. We're going to need you to leave. (laughs) So, so so now, so now I'm like one punch to the face. This
1: doesn't make you think, forget it. This is not for me. It's not meant to be. We need to shut this down. It did not lead you to that. I,
0: My heart was racing, my palms were sweaty, my mind was racing, and I ran out of the office, and I drove home, and I sat on my bed in my bedroom, and I put my head between my knees, and I thought, what the hell am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I I really felt like I was losing everything. And I called up my business mentor, a guy called Gavin Yuko, and I basically spent about 20 minutes telling him the horror stories and why it's all over and i've worked so hard for this and i just can't manage this i don't know what to do and you know the whole thing and he basically gave me what's equivalent of a slap in the face and he said daniel shut up get up off your sorry behind and go and do something about it And I was so shocked by his response. I I was almost expecting, you know, sympathy. Like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, Daniel. Oh, that's terrible. But the truth is, is that that's the last thing I needed. That I needed someone to literally pick me up, smack me upside the head and say, Daniel, get yourself together, man. You can do this. There's, There's always a way around. Whenever there's a barrier, you know how to get around it that's what an entrepreneur is. That is the definition to me. That is what an entrepreneur is, is that we are creative beings. And if there's anyone that can get out of a situation, it's us. And I got up, I put down that phone. I said, thank you. I walked out of the house. I went for a walk. I got some fresh air and I started to think positively and creatively. And I came up with a solution. And the solution was, was mind-boggling. Most people would think, what the hell are you thinking? But it worked. And what was the
1: that solution in, in a nutshell, if you can share? What, what was that turning point? What was it that finally turned you to a positive? The,
0: the turning point was that I realized that I'm not an operations guy. And what I need to do is I need to outsource the whole business, the whole operations of the business to a third party, which means that I'm going to call up uh, my competitors and I'm going to interview my competitors and I'm going to find the right fit and I'm going to then outsource my whole company to them. And that's exactly what I did. And that was about six years ago. And today the company is still running and I am the CEO, whatever you want to call it, founder of the company, uh, but I have no involvement in the business. Uh, It was the most liberating thing I've ever done. Um, and I ended up basically going to a hotel lobby, uh, with my laptop and my phone. Uh, well, this is after I fired all my staff and basically got rid of my office and all the equipment, went to the hotel lobby, uh, with just a laptop and a phone. And I basically grew my company from there with, you know, just a laptop and a phone, which was, which was wonderful.
1: So we've talked about getting started and launching and how hard that is and all of the barriers that a lot of us have to to getting us there. You've shared with us kind of what drove you there, uh, overcoming fear. But I want to talk about that a little bit more. As you've spoken to other entrepreneurs, are there some common things that have emerged in your observation as to how other successful entrepreneurs have overcome that fear that paralyzes us from taking that first step into business ownership.
0: Yeah, I mean, now I've interviewed over a 100 people now. Um, and I would say the one thing that they pretty much all have in common is that they all took action. They all just, you know, every single one of them will tell you they were petrified. I mean, when I started my, my podcast show a year and a half ago, um, I was petrified. I mean, I could barely speak into the mic. You know, it was it was crazy. I, I had to record my first episode like 18 times before I was okay with pushing the, the, the publish button, right? Um, and even now, I mean, today I interviewed my 109th uh, guest. And I could tell you that just before I went on, uh, I was I was nervous, you know. I still feel my heartbeat race. I still feel like I need to take a piss, you know. <laughs> uh, that doesn't go away. That doesn't go away. And if you, you know, for those of you listening, if you ask um, whether it's you know famous actresses or public speakers or it championship boxers or you know sportsmen athletes whatever it is if you ask them do you not feel fear anymore do you do you feel comfortable every time you're about to go on the field or about to get on stage they will all tell you um oh my goodness i'm like i'm about to throw up just before i go on and it's weird right because you would think but hold on you've done this hundreds of times like i've done over a hundred episodes so why would i still feel those feelings isn't it weird the answer is is that's my emotions. I'm a human being. That's how I'm wired. But the difference between the people who quote-unquote make it and the people who don't are the people who take action, even though they feel the feelings. Yep. They don't get rid have, of those
1: feelings. Have, right. Right. You have to have the courage to face that fear and take action regardless. And I think it's such a big misconception, Daniel, that entrepreneurs and successful business owners or performers, as you alluded to, don't have fear. I think what we get better and better at every day is on channeling that fear. Yeah. So related to that is failure. And you've talked about failure. Uh, This is one that a topic that fascinates me in dealing with failure, because of course, what we are told as entrepreneurs is that you learn from the failures, the failures are good. It's almost like we're supposed to pretend And imagine that that failure is all this great thing. But the reality is that as long as I've been at it, failure still hurts tremendously. It's not that I'm disagreeing with the learning part, but how do you look at failure and how have you responded to failure and what tips and advice can you offer to that? Especially again, as you've spoken to so many entrepreneurs who have dealt with failure.
0: Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to give you an answer that you may not like. Uh, But actually, I don't believe that the word failure that you're talking about, um, I wouldn't call it failure. What you're alluding to isn't failure, in my opinion. Um, Failure, to me, is when you get knocked down and you stay down. That's failure. When you give up on yourself, that's failure. Most people, they don't fail, they fall. And if you recognize and you realize that all successful people in any industry, um, they have to fall. It's part of the process. There is no escaping the fall. When you ride a bike for the first time, you will fall. I guarantee it. There's no there's no way that you're just going to skip that process. When you look at your child, when I watch my two-year-old uh, take his first steps, I know what's gonna happen. gravity plays its role and his little you know his little feet wobble around and suddenly bam he hits his head and he starts crying and here's the thing if all of us gave up then and there, we wouldn't be walking. we'd be crawling all over the place. the whole world would just be crawling around. but the thing is is as children, we didn't give up. we had this special superpower that was built in and we just kept going. We just kept going even though we hurt ourselves and even if we were in pain and even if it was uncomfortable and frustrating, we kept going. At some point in your life, I don't know when it was, that for, uh, for some reason you stopped. You stopped pushing along. You stopped dusting yourself down and getting back up again. And for whatever reason it is, That's the difference between people who succeed and people who don't. It's because the fool becomes, that's it. I'm done. And it's never the case ever. Failure is only when you stay down. If you realize that, then you will never fail ever. You will never,
1: ever fail in your life. Cut that word out of your dictionary because you don't have to fail. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, and I don't disagree with you. However, if I've started a business into which I put mm-hmm. all of my life savings and maybe a yep. mortgage, the house, and yep. the financial future of my family depends on it, and maybe that was the mistake to begin with, but so be it. Okay. A lot of us will take that kind of a risk, and mm-hmm. that fails. That's real financial Whoa. failure, Right. No. And I get what you're no. saying. I got to get myself up, but, but that, but that's, that's devastating, right? So how do I recover from that what? and continue to push forward? It's devastating,
0: but it's not failing. It's not. I applaud you. I stand up and I applaud you for having the balls to get up and go and do something. You had a dream. You had a, a mission you had a passion and you got up and you sold your house and you put yourself out there most people don't most people stay comfortable the fact that you've done that is incredible you deserve a round of applause the fact that the business didn't succeed for whatever reason it didn't it didn't work out you didn't fail the business might have failed but you didn't fail you fell but you didn't fail you learnt a huge lesson. In fact, you probably learned many lessons. And you know what? Most people, they spend more money on educating themselves in college than they do on building a business. And I can guarantee you that you make you learn more lessons building a business than you will sitting in an MBA class. So the investment that you put in was worth it because you learned something whether it was life lessons, business lessons, financial lessons, partnership lessons, whatever it be, whatever it is, that to me is not failure. Failure to me is giving up because you just don't think you can do it.
1: Yeah, I hear you. All right, let me uh, relate it to money, but let me move on to the next question. And this is another one that I struggle with. You had a podcast episode, in fact, titled, Never Start a Biz- Business to Make Money. And it's this whole concept that we struggle with, I struggle with, where we're supposed to have our why and and that that should be our motivation and it shouldn't be about making money. I, I struggle with reconciling that. And in fact, then you had Jeff Hoffman on recently and he has, in, in my interpretation, a different perspective on it, which is where I am at with it, which is, yes, you have to be passionate about something, it has to be something you enjoy doing, but the business model has to make sense. You have to be able to make money so I can keep doing this thing. So this is what I struggle with. I'd love to get your insights, perspectives from people you've interviewed on this whole concept of it's not about the money. It is about the money. Tell me what you think about that.
0: Well, first of all, Jeff Hoffman, as you know, is a billionaire. So if anyone has the right to talk about money, he does, right? I would, I would agree. <laughs> he's, a, he's a billionaire. You know how many billionaires there are in the world? There's only about 2,000. So he's one of only 2,000 people in the entire universe, and he's a billionaire. So that's number one. Um, I'm glad you brought up this question because it's something that I've also thought about a lot as well. Um, And in fact, it's something that I'm going through at this present moment in time in my life where I am not getting or engaging in businesses solely for money. I'm not doing that anymore and the reason why is because money is not enough. Yes, you need to make money. Of course you need to make money.
1: But let me interrupt. And n- anymore is that because you have been fortunate to build a certain level of wealth, you know, whatever definition of wealth that is that you now can afford that perspective?
0: No, that's not the reason. Because let me be honest with you, um, I am an overachiever and I am very competitive and I always want to go for everything. So, you know, however much money I've made, I'm always looking to make more, right? Everybody wants to make more money. Nobody, you know, again, what separates entrepreneurs from, you know, regular people, right? Right is that regular people, like my brother, for example, can sit in a regular job and make a regular salary and that's it, nah, go home at five o'clock. And you know. an entrepreneur is always on the chase for more. That's how we're wired, we're, we're just wired that way. It's never enough, we're always trying to hunt more, we always want more. So it's not about, oh, I've made it, no, not at all. I'm, I want to make much more money than I've made, a lot more. Um, in fact, the, the, the business that I'm looking to get involved in, um, we are looking to build it into a billion-dollar company, a billion-dollar uh, entity. Um, so the money is definitely there. I'm definitely you know, still climbing the man- money ladder, if you will. But it cannot be the main thing. I, I just, it just doesn't work for me. I'm not motivated to just make money. I, there has to be something deeper. There has to be something
1: deeper in it. Otherwise, it just won't be enough for me. Uh, but I has that perspective, this. has that perspective evolved uh, for you over time? But do you think you had that clarity when you first started your first business? No, it
0: has evolved and the reason why it's how why i know it to be true is because you know when you're broke so the only thing you have on your mind is i need to make money sure right that's the only thing you can think of but when you've made enough money that you're comfortable or you've made enough money that you can you know pay the bills and go on vacations and all that stuff then you start to get that little voice in your head or that little empty hole in your soul or whatever you want to call it that just beckons for something deeper and something more meaningful you know it it there's just life is so short money comes and goes it comes and goes and comes and goes and that's the nature of the beast i think that the reason why most people are depressed or unhappy or unsatisfied even though they've got lots of money or even though they've got health or even though they've got a family or even though they've achieved success and whatever you want to call success. And even though they've achieved fame, the reason why they're depressed or the reason why they're down is because they're not doing what they, I don't even know how to describe this. They're not being impactful. They're not, they're not giving of themselves in the best way they can. And, and, to me, that's that's crucial
1: for me. I understand. I understand. All right. So I want to ask you a question, and I want you to just give me rapid fire, whatever comes into your mind, no specific order. Other characteristics of successful entrepreneurs are what? Uh,
0: being very vulnerable, honest, and
1: authentic. What other skills have you observed in talking to so many entrepreneurs do you think we have to develop? To be successful
0: investing in yourself and being patient and people are very impatient and you know it doesn't have to all be done today if you've if you're patient enough and you keep pushing ahead things will happen for you you'll make things happen you just got to keep taking action and you've got to be patient
1: okay good good stuff All right. It we've touched on your businesses briefly. Is there a business in particular you want our audience to know more about? Tell me about that, if you would. Your elevator pitch on the business you'd like our listeners to know more about.
0: So at the moment, really, what I'm I'm working on is my book and my podcast show. Those are the two things that I'm really working on. And again, that's me being impactful. That's how I'm trying to impact my world. Um, So for those of you listening, if you if you think I'm boring, then, you know, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> if you if you don't think I'm boring and you want to hear a little bit more of me, then um, you can go to my podcast show, which is called Can I Pick Your Brain? Um, if you're on iTunes... If you're on an iPhone, then just type in, can I pick your brain into iTunes and please subscribe because that will help me to rank higher in iTunes. And it will mean that you'll obviously get updates every time I bring out an episode. Um, if you're not on an iPhone, then you can go to my website, danielgeffen.com with one F danielgeffen.com. And all of my episodes are there. Um, and then my book is a self-help addict, which isn't yet released, Uh, but if you go to theselfhelpaddict.com, that's theselfhelpaddict.com, you can sign up for my email list and I will uh, let you know as soon as the book is published.
1: Wonderful. And speaking of books, I believe Think and Grow Rich is one of your favorite books. Why is that?
0: Because the whole theme of the book, essentially what he's saying comes down to desire, that if a person really really desire something he can have anything they want anything anything you want you can have it if you desire it enough and to me that's the biggest lesson in life or one of the biggest lessons
1: in life is there another book that uh, comes to mind you'd like to recommend to us um, I mean, The E-Myth was, a, was an integral book for
0: me uh, because it was all about working on your business and not in your business. Um, and it was an incredible book. It's called The E-Myth Revisited, uh, written by Michael Gerber, who I actually had the pleasure of meeting in person and actually sharing a stage with him recently. Yeah, at an I event. saw that. So, all the pictures you yeah.
1: posted. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. And he's 81 years old, believe it or not. But uh, know,
1: like, You wouldn't think it. I mean, he's as sharp as... Yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that was an impactful book. In fact, that is the number one most recommended book across 140 episodes now for us. Yeah, wow. That That is the top book uh, for very good reasons. All right, so yeah. we'll wrap it up. Last two questions, Daniel. Um, anything else I didn't ask you about, especially in light of what we've been talking about, these takeaways that you've gathered from all of the entrepreneurs you've talked to, Anything else you'd like to leave us with on that topic? Um
0: No, I no, I don't. And the reason why I don't is cuz I don't want to overwhelm people. I feel like, you know, I try when I get on a podcast show, I I don't know what you're going to ask me in fact, you know, Henry you even, you know, told me, you know, you sent me an email with some of the details about the show and I didn't even look at it because I like to be completely real. I like to be in the moment when I'm on the show. And I also like to talk about one main thing because I feel like people, they tend to to get overwhelmed. If you give them too many things to think about, they just get overwhelmed. And what happens when we get overwhelmed is we don't take any action. And so the one thing that I really implore those of you listening to this is to just take one thing that I've said, and that is I've spoken about the importance of figuring out what is what is it that you really, really want in life and really hone in on it and focus in on that and then take action towards it. It doesn't matter what the action is, but just take some sort of an action. Um, don't let your fear get in the way. Just take the action anyway um, and reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Seriously, um, I really, really, I get... I get so excited every time I get anybody reaching out and saying, "Hey, I heard you on the podcast show and it, it, it you know it warms my
1: heart. Yeah. And the best one place on online to find you again is.
0: Okay. So I'm on Facebook. That's where I spend most of my time. Um, Daniel Geffen with one F. If you type it in, you'll see me with a microphone in front of me with a cheesy grin. So you could type my name in there. Um, And if they want to send me an email, uh, please do. It's daniel at danielgeffen.com. That's daniel at danielgeffen.com.
1: Daniel, this has been a great conversation. We're going to cut it off here now just because of time. We could go on for hours (laughs) chatting. Yeah, I appreciate your indulging me on that and being with us and sharing your knowledge.
0: Thank you so much, Henry. It's such an honor to be on your show. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain? podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.